Good morning. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It is good to be with you this morning on this Communion Sunday. We are celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion this morning. And uh, as we've uh, been doing for many months now, we're using these prepackaged communion kits. If you didn't get yours on your way in, they are out in the narthex there, so you can just go out and get one, bring it back in uh, so that we're not passing trays. Uh, they, if you haven't been here since we've been using these, they're a little bit difficult to open. There's, uh, there's a clear, very sheer plastic on the top that holds the bread, and you have to take that part off first for the bread that's on top, and then uh, the one underneath is, is for the juice. So uh, just uh, have that ready when we come to the end of the service for, for our communion. Next Sunday is Coins for Missions Sunday, so uh, make sure that you uh, bring your coins with you next Sunday to, to drop in the, in the uh, blue buckets for, for our various mission projects that we support through that. Next Sunday is also Mother's Day, and the UMW will have the carnations here for Mother's Day, if you haven't already ordered your carnation and would like to have one, this is the last day to do that. The boxes and the order forms are out in the narthex. Uh, just uh, fill out the order form, place your exact payment with the order form in a sealed envelope, and place that in the box, and we will have those carnations here next Sunday. Uh, this coming Saturday is Shoes for the Shoeless, and uh, I am pleased to say that we don't need any more volunteers. Uh, it's not very often that we have a big project like that, and I'm able to stand up the Sunday before and say, we don't need any more volunteers. So uh, thank you for all of you who have uh, responded so graciously uh, to volunteering for that, and we look forward to serving uh, the children and the families of our community as we uh, give out those, those free shoes uh, next Saturday. I invite you now to be in an attitude of worship and stand as you are able for the call to worship printed in the bulletin and on the screens. Good morning. Please join with me. We are all one family made in the image of God. We are all one family all, all over the world. world. We are all one family, each unique, each special. We are all one family, brothers and sisters on one journey of faith. We are all one family, given gifts and talents to share. We are all one family. United, united in love, united, united in peace, united in Christ our Lord. Please remain standing for our opening hymn, The Church is One Foundation, found in your United Methodist hymnal, number 545. i 
Thank you. You may be seated. If you'd please join me in, your, in our opening prayer, also printed in our bulletin. Spirit, Spirit of the of living God, God though, though we are many, we have come together with one purpose, to worship you with scripture and song, with prayer and sacrament. We witness that we are members of one another and wait for your word spoken clearly in our midst. May your presence be among us in this hour Touch us with tenderness and strengthen us into commitment through Jesus our Savior. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Joyce Smith to come up and join me up here in the front. We are celebrating Bible Sunday this morning, and we have a number of children in our congregation who are receiving. Uh, their Bibles this morning, and their names are printed in the bulletin. I'm going to read the names, and any of them that are here this morning, when I read your name, I invite you to come up and join us up here. Joyce is going to give you your Bible, and then I'd ask you to stay up here until, uh, until all have received theirs so that we can have a prayer with you. We are presenting Bibles to Austin Barone, Connor Burgess, Hannah Burgess, Micah Fleming, Morgan Fleming, Jameson Kennedy, Gabrielle Mackey, Jacob Mackey, Evelyn Mahan, Catherine Mossing, Elena Skaggs, and A.J. Trent. And let us uh, have a word of prayer for these children. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given us in the Holy Bible. We thank you that you have shown us the way of life through this Holy Bible. And I thank you for these children who have come in faith this morning to receive your word. I pray that as they receive these Bibles, they would receive it not just into their hands, but into their lives, that it would transform their minds, that it would renew their hearts, that it would inspire their living so that they might continue to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right, thank you. I invite you now to Turn to our prayer hymn, which is I Need Thee Every Hour. It's in the hymnals number 397. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4. Oh. 
Let us pray. O oh, precious Lord, we do indeed need Thee. That is why we come to this place in this time of worship, not just out of ritual, not just out of habit, but because we know we need You, Lord. And we know that we can come here to meet You, that You will be with us, that You will speak to us through Your Holy Word, through the music, through the prayers and the preaching. Lord, You meet us. But not just in times of worship, but in all of our times of need, Lord, You do meet us. Through our times of anxiety and worry, You speak Your Word of peace. Through our times of, of illness, you speak your word of healing. Through our times of uncertainty, you speak your direction into our lives. Lord, we thank you for meeting us in all of our needs. Lord, we pray that you will shower us with your Holy Spirit. Fill this church. Use us to bring your glory and your, your grace and your gospel into this community and help us to spread it throughout the world so that all people might know the wonder of your love and your power. We offer you our prayers and our worship in the name of your Son, who is our Savior, Jesus the Christ as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well. 
Today's gospel lesson is taken from the book of John, 15th chapter, verses 1 through 8. Please stand as you are able. This is Jesus, the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, please. Jesus, as did most of the rabbis and teachers of his day, taught largely using stories and pictures. The stories that he told came from everyday life, a woman losing a coin, a man hosting a dinner party, a shepherd tending his flock. The pictures that he used were common sights as well to the people that he was teaching, uh, a field of flowers, a stalk of wheat, a vineyard. That last one is the, the picture that Jesus uses in our scripture for today, a vineyard. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower, says Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. The imagery was common enough for the disciples to picture in their mind's eye what the vine and the branches look like, how they're all tangled together and full of life. And not just what they look like, but how they grow, how the vine dresser must tend to the plant, why the pruning was so important. As far as the physical analogy goes, we can picture the same thing. Many of you, I'm sure, have been 
to a vineyard before. You've seen the vines and the branches up close. You've had a guide tell you about the growing process. I've never had that experience, but I've certainly driven past plenty of vineyards, so I have that mental image of, of what the vine and the branches look like. But the image that Jesus was using here, and which the disciples most certainly had in their minds when he spoke, went far beyond just the physical reality, the picture of what the vine looks like and how it grows. There is much to that in what Jesus taught, and we'll look at that in a bit, but what the disciples also had in mind might not come as naturally to us. It, with, with this image of the vine and the branches, what it meant religiously, spiritually, according to their faith tradition. What the disciples pictured when Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. I am the vine, you are the branches. Besides the mental picture of what a vineyard looks like, the disciples also most assuredly pictured all of those times in the Hebrew Scriptures when it refers to Israel as a vineyard. This religious symbolism of Israel as the vineyard of God, it was common to them, just as common to them as an actual grapevine growing in the land. To really understand what Jesus meant in this teaching, we need to understand that background uh, of this religious tradition in which he was speaking. All of the disciples to whom Jesus was speaking that evening were Jews. They had been raised in that tradition, steeped in those scriptures. They were formed by the faith which claimed that the nation of Israel was the vineyard of God. Isaiah 5-7, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. Psalm 80, verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The nation of Israel was God's vineyard. The people chosen by God and planted by God in the promised land where they were to grow and flourish and produce good and pleasing fruit. The fruits of faith and righteous living. There was a problem though. And just as familiar as the disciples were with the image of Israel as the vineyard of God, so too were they familiar with the problem. And the problem was this. Although God had planted Israel in the promised land as his vineyard, the vines went bad. Again, from Isaiah chapter 5, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, it yielded wild grapes. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. And then the verse that I already quoted, verse 7, starts off, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. But then it goes on, He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. Righteousness, but heard a cry. The vineyard had grown wild, and therefore it had to be destroyed. The destruction of the vineyard that Isaiah prophesied was the overflow overthrow of Jerusalem, the exile into Babylon. 
Likewise, Ezekiel talked about this same tragic destruction like this. Your mother was like a vine in a vineyard transplanted by the water, fruitful and full of branches from abundant water. It stood out in its height with its mass of branches, but it was plucked up in fury, cast down to the ground. The east wind dried it up. Its fruit was stripped off. Its strong stem was withered. The fire consumed it. The prophet Hosea called Israel a luxuriant vine that, grow, that yields its fruit. But then he complained that the more fruit in, his fruit increased, the more his altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. Jeremiah, the crying prophet, in Jeremiah 2.21 says, I planted you as a choice vine from purest stock. How then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? All of this history, all of this scriptural imagery of Israel as the vineyard that has been planted in bounty by God, but then has grown wild and had to be destroyed. All of that Jesus held clearly in mind, and all of that imagery was planted clearly in the minds of the disciples as well when Jesus said to them, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Not just I am a vine, not even I am the vine, but I am the true vine. I am the real vine. The Jewish people at the time relied very heavily on their Jewish identity, their ethnicity, their descendancy from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their physical connection to the Hebrew patriarchs and the nation of Israel, that physical connection to what was once the vineyard of God planted in the promised land is what they believed made them the people of God, God's vineyard in their own time. But the disciples knew, and really all of the Jewish people knew from their own history, from their own scriptures, that they had never really flourished as the faithful vineyard that God had planted them to be. Those branches had failed to produce fruit. They had failed to give life, and so they had to be cut off. By calling himself the true vine, Jesus is identifying himself in contradistinction to that wild vine, the degenerate vine, the dead vine that had been cut off so long ago, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is saying that it is not through connection with the historic vine of Israel that one is incorporated into God's vineyard. It is through connection with Jesus Christ, the true vine, that one is brought into God's vineyard. It's not the blood of the patriarchs that makes one a, a child of God. It is the blood of Jesus that makes one a child of God. This would have been obvious to the disciples, familiar as they were with their own history and their own scriptures. We have to be reminded because the connection might not be as obvious to us, but this is one of the primary meanings of this text. And it's not just that life is to be found only in Jesus over and against the Jewish nation or Jewish history. 
Rather, it's that life is to be found only in Jesus over and against any other identity that we find so important in this world. Whether it be race or gender or politics or nationality or economics, all of these ways that we identify ourselves become degenerate. They grow wild. None of them can save us. If you think that going to the right church is what makes you a part of God's vineyard, then you're getting all mixed up about where life is to be found. We, the church, the the people, we are the branches. The branches don't produce any life on their own. They only have the life that flows into them because they are growing from the vine, the true vine of Jesus. If you are cut off from Jesus, then you are cut off from life. Whether you go to a Bible-believing church or not, whether you say the right prayers or not, whether your parents were Christian or not, whether you practice the rituals of your faith or not, whether you are a nice person or not, whether you perform good deeds or not, if it's not coming from Jesus, then it is not life. Now listen to verse 2. Verse 2 can be an unsettling verse when you understand what he's really saying. But it can also be an encouraging verse if you really understand what he's saying. He, meaning my Father, God, He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes to make it bear more fruit. The unsettling part of that verse is that Whether you're a faithful Christian or not, you're going to get cut. There's going to be some pain involved one way or another. But what kind of pain and what that pain ultimately leads to, that's the question. And there are two possibilities. And these two different possibilities are based on which kind of branch you are. Here's where the physical analogy of of vine growing comes in. There there are two different types of branches that can grow out of a vine. There are branches that bear fruit, and there are branches that don't bear fruit. When growing a vineyard, the, the vine grower has to cut off the branches that don't bear fruit. If he doesn't, then... That, that branch that's really not good for anything is drawing life out of the vine and, and taking it away from the other branches. If that's allowed to go on, then eventually none of the branches will have enough life in them to produce fruit. The whole thing dies. So the vine grower cuts those branches off completely. Jesus says later in the passage, such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Those dead branches, they're they're not good for anything. They're not even sturdy enough to make anything out of. All that can be done with them is to burn them up. When Jesus says he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, he is acknowledging that even within the fellowship of the church, there are people who are not connected in a fruitful way with Jesus. And if they are not connected in a fruitful way with Jesus, then they are sapping energy away from the rest of the plant. The the other branches are going to suffer because of it. We don't much like to think about that because then we'd have to admit that 
there may be people that we consider our friends who are doing more harm than good to God's vineyard. There may be some whom it would be better for all if they were cut off completely. Now, I'm not going to try and make the call on who that is. Thank God I don't have to. But the reality of what Jesus says is that God does and God will. He will remove every branch in me that bears no fruit, says Jesus. Those who take and take and take from the vine but never have any fruit to show for it. Those who refuse to grow in love. Those who do not live in grace. Those who are consumed only with themselves. Those who make demands upon the church without contributing to the flourishing of the church. Bottom line... Don't assume that just because your name is on the membership rolls that that means you're saved. The branches that bear no fruit are bound for destruction. The branches that do produce fruit, well, they get cut too. But they don't get cut off and destroyed. Rather, they get pruned back just a little bit. By pruning back the the fruit-bearing branches, those branches grow even stronger, more healthy, more full, more plentiful in their production. The difficult part is knowing that even when we are living as faithful disciples, even when we are bearing the fruits of love and peace and generosity and grace, still we are going to face pain. But that pain is not inflicted on us as punishment or in wrath. If we are faithful, fruit-bearing Christians, then the pains that we suffer in this life will only cause us to grow stronger in our faith. God's grace will flourish more fully within us as we come to know what it is to rely on His grace in all things. We'll be more gracious in our relations with others because of our empathy and understanding. We'll be more healthy, more generous in our connections with one another. To those who are abiding in Christ, being pruned only makes you more abundantly fruitful. So be encouraged, knowing that no matter what you're going through right now, whatever trials you're facing, whatever suffering you are having to endure, it is not meant to punish you, or to cut you off. God has not forgotten you or forsaken you. God is simply pruning you to make you more fruitful, to allow His life to flow in you and through you in a more profound way than it ever has. Continue to abide in Christ, and He will abide in you. His life will fill you. His life. His life will make you flourish. We come now to a time of Holy Communion when we receive from the fruit of the vine. And that fruit of the vine is a reminder to us of the blood of Jesus, knowing that that is where our life comes from. And so as we prepare to receive the sacrament I invite you to join with me in the prayer of the great thanksgiving.
Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, and called out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to take the bread. The body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Let us pray. Precious Lord Jesus, 
We thank you for this holy mystery in which you have given of yourself to us. Thank you for filling us with your grace once again. Continue to pour your Holy Spirit within us, inspiring us to holy living all of our days. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. I invite you now to stand as you are able for our closing hymn, which is number 617 in the hymnals, I Come With Joy. now knowing that you are firmly planted in Christ. You are God's vineyard. Go as the branches growing from that vine of life and live in his name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.